This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation. Welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Jeremy Naylor. Joining me on the podcast today to discuss the FTSE 250 and the investment opportunities in mid-caps is Andy Braff, fund manager at Schroeder's, where he is co-head of the pan-European small and mid-cap team and manager of the Schroeder UK mid-cap fund. Also joining us around the table is Chris Beecham, IG's chief market analyst. Andy, let's start with you, if I can. What is it about the FTSE 250 segment of the market that appeals? Well, um, internally, we call it uh, the 250 index. We call it the Heineken index because it gets refreshed like no other index. Uh, Every quarter, you're capturing those companies coming up from the FTSE small cap, which are on their way, hopefully, to the FTSE 100. And you're actually capturing those stocks which are falling out of the FTSE 100 who may reinvent themselves to try and get back in there. So every year, approximately 30% of the index changes. So you're always exposed to companies in new themes, in new industries, and new areas of the market, which you don't get typically in the FTSE 100. Chris, uh, mid-cap stocks often seen as the sweet spot for growth potential. But in 2018, the FTSE 250 underperformed the FTSE 100. Has that sweet spot soured? Uh, In the past year, yes. I think you have um, plenty of elements playing in there. Brexit, not the least of those, of course. Uh, with the 250 and because of the domestic focus of the index of course you do have perhaps a much greater exposure to the ups and downs of the brexit saga than you would have with the 100 i think again it's one of those elements where one year underperformance doesn't really condemn the entire uh, idea of these mid-cap stocks and historically over time they've offered a much more attractive return uh, than many of the giants of the FTSE 100. I want to pick up on the Brexit angle in just a minute, but Andy, is there a, a typical profile for a mid-cap stock? Chris was talking there about uh, the um, impression that you get that they're domestically orientated. We know that the FTSE 100 is generally export-driven. Is it right to say that FTSE 250 stocks are mostly those that are exposed to the UK economy? Um, in the FTSE 100, 75% of earnings roughly come from overseas or uh, uh, in overseas currencies. In the 250, it's about 50%. So it's true to say there is more of a domestic bias. But um, over time, you know, a lot of companies are in the manufacturing space in the FTSE 250. Does this mean that they react differently to some of the um, issues that are around at the moment? I'm thinking about um, uh, the way in which they're reacting to the pullback in the economy globally and here in the UK. Uh, What's happening in the FTSE 250 at the minute? Well, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that um, everyone's doom and gloom. Uh, Actually, in a recent Bank of America survey, when people were asked about the economy, they were pretty gloomy. When they were asked about their own financial position, they said it's never been better. And all we've seen this year is growth being upgraded with now sort of half a percent probably for the first quarter or everything's going backwards. And actually, I think the 250 and domestic based companies have been a massive beneficiary of Brexit because the government hasn't been able to do anything else and the economy's just got on by itself. Chris, in, in terms of um, the, the spread of stocks, again, going back to how we should address the FTSE 250, are mid-cap stocks typically 
growth or are they dividend, a mix of the two? Or what should we be looking at in terms of our investment strategy when looking at mid-caps? I think you do really have a mix of the two. The great thing about the 250 is such a broad base uh, to work with. And you do have those higher growth companies, particularly, of course, um, those are new entrants to uh, the index. So you have that high growth or higher growth uh, element. But you do have a lot of solid dividend payers within that with plenty of uh, record. Of course, some of them have come down from the 100 as well. So you, you have that record of uh, long-standing dividend payments. And the beauty of it is that it will have um, elements to suit both uh, investing styles or indeed an investing style that looks to capture uh, both that growth element and, of course, the key dividend element. What about the ability of the FTSE 250, Andy, to cope with rising interest rates? Um, the balance sheets typically of the FTSE 250 companies are in pretty good shape, actually. They don't have uh, the high level of debt that uh, you get in some of the larger companies. And more importantly, they have a much higher dividend cover. I mean, the dividend cover in the FTSE 100 is about one and a half times in the 250. It's just over two. So they're a lot more resilient to sort of rising interest rates. In my own view, interest rates won't go up for another three years. Right. Um, what about the potential for mergers and acquisitions? If you say they're well covered in their dividend, presumably with a lot of cash in the balance sheet, there's a lot of uh, potential for M&A within that sector. Does, does a lot of M&A tend to happen in the FTSE 250? Yes, it's quite interesting. If you, know, if you look at uh, the top 20 stocks in the FTSE 100 in December 1998, they're pretty much the same. You know, things have moved around a bit. If you look at the 250 from that time, 14 of those 20 stocks have been acquired. And indeed, this year, we've already seen bids for BTG, RPC, approach for G4S yesterday. And so it's a big hunting ground for corporates who want to make acquisitions. And that's one of the attractions of the 250, because as companies get acquired, new ones come in, and you've always got the companies, the index itself being refreshed on a regular basis. Yeah, so-called Heineken, as you said at the top. Um, Chris, going back to the, the Brexit issue, this is a, a difficult area to discuss at this time, because as of the time of recording, the target is still very much moving. No, and I think the problem with the extension that the UK has been granted is it's not really long enough to reduce that uncertainty. Six months in, in business terms is quite a short space of time and I think you have seen a greater degree of caution um, hit the index really and the companies within it on the basis that they, they really don't know the situation the UK will be in um, come the end of October. If you force me to give an answer I suspect that things will carry on for much longer than October so you might get away with, with planning for the longer term on the basis that nothing actually changes but I think the, the, the caution that has been engendered and certainly how UK assets have become much less popular um, among fund managers really to speak to that really that we don't know what the situation will be we don't know how it will evolve and whether it of course goes towards a no deal which seems increasingly unlikely the possibility of course is still there and that's bound to engender an element of caution amongst business managers well at this point Andy is always interesting to discuss this thing about the cliff edge and so forth there are some suggesting that we, we can uh, an opportunity to get on with things if we do get that cliff edge we can regroup at a lower level and then and then uh, move forward as a fund manager would you like to see a resolution of this how happy are you uh, continuing the operations as a fund manager in an unknown situation. Brexit isn't even in my top 10 of concerns. Let's, let's look at the facts. Since the referendum, we've created a million jobs. If you listen to Mark Carney, we wouldn't have created any. Yeah, we've got a million jobs. Last year, consumer spending 18 on 17 was up £52 billion, which is spending in a different way. You know, shops are closing on the high street. It's things move online. So I have no concerns whatsoever about Brexit. 
Do you have a strategy to deal with Brexit as a fund manager? As I said, I've got no concern. So I just invest. Normally, I look for companies which are going to pay me a rising stream of dividends from a rising stream of earnings. They've got a solid business proposition which which can withstand the increasing threats we're seeing from the internet and competition. And if you've got companies in those strong positions, then they'll survive anything. So you're fully invested or as invested as you ever are. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for joining us. That was Andy Bruff, Fund Manager at Schroders, and IG Chief Market Analyst Chris Beecham with today's podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.